You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. This is another box. Goodness gracious. <laughs> it's Wes. Oh, it's multiple. We got little soccer balls. Oh! We got rugby balls. We got the basketball. And Walker. These guys are happy stuffed balls is what they are. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. Good Lord. That's going to be a drop. We have- with the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Big, big, as DJ Khaled will say, weekend of college football. Keep the text coming on the Charlotte Men's Clinic. Text line 704-570-9610. And something I haven't said in a while, hit the follow button on those socials. We got the content on there for you. We got the barks that's going ham right now. You can judge who had the best bark? I still crack up laughing at Fiddy's bark from yesterday. So you got that on the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram page or X on the Wes and Walker X page on the Wes and Walker. Oh, I already said that on Wes Bryant underscore 72 at Walker Mail and at HTB underscore Josh on Instagram and X. Hit the follow button. We're getting closer and closer to a thousand followers. On our show page on X as well. All right. So if we reach a thousand followers today, we'll have a cat meow competition at the end. Oh, I'm ready. I like that. Nice I, little incentive. F- Fitty came into the fishbowl today and said, first, not this is what Fitty does, right? When he walks in, he doesn't really give you a salutation, doesn't say what's up, no greeting of any kind. He just goes into whatever's on his mind. And he says, I just want you to know, I stayed up quite a while last night working on my meow. And then he did it for me, and I have to say it's pretty good, mm. but that's a tease. If we get to 1,000 followers on the Wesson Walker page, specifically the show page on Twitter, then we'll have a meow contest. Okay, I like that. That's what we'll do. I like that incentive. Animal sounds all week long. Next week, too, find out what we sound like with a, a llama contest. Oh, a llama. I was, was going to say billy goat. Bah. We're going farm animals. You, me, same wavelength. Weird. All right, well, now uh, there are some animals playing this weekend with the mascots of the teams that are actually playing. So let's go to the campus. Coda! Wah. <laughs> That's a good one. That sounds like you stepped on the duck's foot and you made a quick noise just to let you know. All right, huge games. It is championship weekend. It is time to put the women and children to bed and go looking for dinner. I don't know if you guys catch that reference, but that is from one of the greatest football movies of all time the program if you two haven't seen it i suggest you do watch it. but tonight things get kicked off oregon washington bo nix michael Penix, heisman las vegas the death star it's all there for us ladies and gentlemen so we'll get to these individual games in a minute but what is your perfect college football playoff scenario what do you want to see we'll go around the room what do you want to see happen who are the four teams that you want to see when the smoke settles on saturday night so i I think the first two things i'll say is michigan i want to see in there um i feel good about that 
I don't care between the winner of this Washington-Oregon game. It does not matter to me. The winner of that game will get in, and I'm excited to see either one of these teams. I think maybe just because the way Oregon's playing right now, I'd rather see the Ducks if I had to choose between the two. But Washington, I think it would be really impressive if they continue to battle through the gauntlet. They've gone through this season undefeated. If they do it again then that's an amazing regular season ending conference championship weekend going into the playoff. I'd like to see what the Huskies can do. So the winner of this Pac-12 game, if I had to pick, I'd go Oregon, Michigan. Wes, I I know. I'm sorry, ACC. I apologize. I'm about to do something sacrilegious. I want to see Georgia and Alabama both in there. Mm. I do. I'm sorry. They play good football games. If you like college football and you like good college football games, that I want to see the good college football game. And if so, if we're expecting an awesome contest between these two this weekend, I don't care if we run it back in the college football playoff. This reminds me a lot of what was it? Was it 06 when it was Michigan, Ohio State? They play at the end of the season. It was 1-2. And then eventually, I think it's Michigan who loses. They don't make it to the championship game, but it was all the debate. Hey, these are still the best two teams in the champion. These are the best two teams in college football. We should still put them into the BCS national championship. If Alabama beats Georgia, are we saying that Georgia is the fifth best college football team or worse? If they lose to Alabama, I'm not saying that I'd love to see Georgia in. And if Alabama beats Georgia playing a different brand than what they were at the beginning of the season, then I want to see these two giants in the top four. I know people get tired of it, but not me. And so if you were to force me to pick between the Pac-12 championship game, give me Georgia, give me Alabama, give me Michigan, and I'll take the Ducks. Quack. All right, I'm going to go with, uh, I'd like to see Georgia, of course, Michigan. Then I would go with, man, this is super difficult, but normally, like I said, I'm normally down on Oregon. I'm kind of with you to where... Either way it goes, I'm good with it. But i just been watching Oregon this season, and I feel like it's very difficult to beat a good team twice, a really good team twice. And I think they came up just short the last time on the road in a very tough place to play in Seattle. I think Oregon gets it done tonight on a neutral field, so I'll throw Oregon in there. As for my fourth team, it's very difficult because I think Ohio State's really good, even though they lost to Michigan. But Kyle McCord, I'm not sure how much I trust him. Um, Then when you go look at Texas, they're kind of in the same boat as Florida State with the quarterback injury. So I'm not going to get to see a full-out Texas Longhorns hook them. And then Alabama with Jalen Milrow. Um, That's another one, too. And I know I said last week that I didn't want to see Georgia and Alabama in this. I mean, if Florida State comes out and they're impressive in this game and Tate Rodemaker comes out and plays really good football and they get him coached up, it's still hard for me to leave out an undefeated Florida State. Do I think they're one of the best four? No. Do I think they're probably going to get smashed by Georgia? Yes. But a 13-0 ACC champion. And yes, I love the ACC, but I'm going to put the nose in there if they get it done this weekend. Is there a difference between most deserving who you think should be in and what do you want to see? Well, because when I look at – all right, so – Because I don't want to watch – To me, the loser of the Pac-12 game, you shouldn't get in. 
So that's why I stand there. Ohio State, as much as I like them, I don't see Kyle McCord getting in having the type of performance C.J. Stroud did against Georgia to where you look at it and say, okay, Ohio State deserved to be in there. I think if, if Ohio State got in there and played Georgia in the first round, they get the same thing done to them that I think would be done for the state. Same thing with Texas as well. And to me, in the SEC championship game, I think Georgia's going to win that game anyway. That's why I haven't put Bama. Even if Bama does win, that presents the most chaotic scenario to me because how far do you drop Georgia? Then you got to elevate Alabama as well. I think you got to leave one of the two out. And so if I had to, if Alabama gets in and they win, to me, God, it's so hard. I think I'll say that they deserve to get in if they win. Georgia with that win streak, you definitely want to go off that, but it's not a career achievement. So I would say Alabama deserves to get in if they win. But as far as how I think it will go in the scenario for me, I think it's going to be Florida State, and I think that's the scenario that it should be. So if Alabama gets in, though, in that scenario you were talking about, you're not kicking Georgia out, though, right? Yes. Oh, you are kicking yeah, them out. Because it's not a career achievement. Oh, but I'm not – oh, well, we can just go off this season. Yeah, I'm not, I'm saying, not saying you lose the, you out. But – no? Okay. Like, I mean, Alabama lost to Texas. Do I think Georgia would still be one of the best teams? Sure. But I said that Texas is in the same boat as Florida State to where I'm not seeing a full Texas. I don't see Texas with Quinn or yours. And their backup quarterback is banged up, too. So I'm, I don't think that scenario go well. I said Kyle McCord, I don't think shows and proves in the playoffs as well. So I think Alabama, Georgia, no, I it like would be, it to where if Georgia loses, they're out. It, it, would be, it would be Florida State and the loser of the Pac-12 championship game. Like I, don't, I know Texas deserves consideration because they beat Alabama. But that's what I really think it would come down to in the eyes of the committee. I just think if, if Georgia, I don't, like, tell me Stetson Bennett, you know, give but me as the... as far as what you want to see? No, I'm even saying even deserving, to be honest with you. This uh-huh. is where it coincides. This is the middle of my Venn diagram. You can give me the men in black neuralizer and let me forget everything that happened with Stetson Bennett and Jalen Carter and everybody before this year. Watching Georgia this season go 12-0 and then lose what we would think is a tightly contested game against Alabama, who's eighth in the country at this point, Mm -hmm. Georgia is not deserving, in my opinion, to fall all the way below a top-four spot. If they lose to Alabama, who we all know is balling right now with only one loss on their schedule, too, yeah, man, I'm not kicking Georgia I mean, I think it's the – well, that back then there was no playoff. I was talking about with Michigan, Ohio State, when they played, and they were 1-2 in Ohio State – you know, got they went to the championship game over Michigan. So, and people wanted to see that matchup again. Fiddy, what you got? So you're asking for my my dream playoff scenario? Yes. My dream playoff scenario would be Michigan, Texas, and then Oregon and Washington. Why That's Texas. So Why what's Texas? the difference between Texas and Florida State in your opinion? Um, well, I mean, a lot of it is the the quarterback play, and I don't think if you put Florida State in the Big Twelve, I don't think they go twelve and zero. I think you put Texas in the ACC. I think Texas is is undefeated. Mm. Um, and of course, we don't know that because they're not. And I, I know Texas is eleven and one, but like, does 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 Florida State go eleven and one with Texas' schedule? I don't think so. And you asked me for my dream scenario. Okay. My dream scenario is not having it is is very clearly not to have an SEC team in there, <laughs> just so I could hear Paul Feinbaum there you go. whine like a toddler on Sports Center on Sunday afternoon. All right, so with that said, then let's go to our predictions for these games. I'll kick this thing off. Like I said, I like Oregon in this game. Uh, They barely lost to Washington the first time on the road, as I said, in a very tough place to play in Seattle. Uh, I think it's very difficult to beat a really good team twice, especially on a neutral field. So I like Oregon tonight. 
I'll take Texas to beat Oklahoma State. Uh, I like Georgia to take care of business against Alabama in what I think will be a spectacular game. I think Michigan is going to smash Iowa like they've been doing to everybody in the uh, Big Ten outside of Ohio State. And then um, even though I said if they win, I don't think they're going to win. I think Louisville is going to beat Florida State on Saturday night. So we're going with the championships, right? Give me give me Oregon to beat Washington. I, I just think God, that's so tough. I, it's been highly impressive, though. They have dodged some really tough endings to some wins that the Huskies have had, but it's still been really impressive. I think it ends. I think Oregon ends up getting that victory. Going to Georgia, Alabama. I actually think Georgia wins. I think the Bulldogs end up taking care of business in Alabama, finds himself on the outside once again. I think Michigan wins against Iowa, too. That's the one I feel the best about. Um, and then Louisville, Florida State. I hear what you're saying, Wes. I think Florida State, Louisville's had a couple of bad losses this year. Like, they show that they're not going to, I, I can't fully trust them, despite having a really good season. It's a monster game, clearly. Florida State, even with Rotomaker in there. I'm going to go Florida State. I feel decent about it. I, I love what Jawar Jordan has done this season. Louisville, 10 wins. Hell yeah, it's a good year. I think Florida State's going to take care of business. All right, Fiddy, what you got? All right, I think I, I think the Ducks, quack, quack, I think they win tonight <laughs> in Las Vegas. Moving to tomorrow, I think Texas beats Oklahoma State. I think, I think Georgia hears all the talk about Alabama beating them and ending their streak and if there's a guy that can beat Nick Saban with a, uh, with a long winning streak, I think it is this Georgia team. I think they beat Alabama in another classic. I think Michigan beats the crap out of Iowa. Iowa might not even score in that game, and I'm not even joking. Yeah, I don't think anybody disagrees with you. And then I'm, I'm with West. The Florida State story has been fun, and, and then being back relevant nationally has been good for the ACC and for college football. I think Louisville is more explosive. I think they win going away. Yeah, last thing for me, I heard Smoke, I believe, it was either last week or earlier this week. He thinks Oklahoma State might get that win against Texas. Maybe it was last week that he was saying that. Mm. I don't know. Done, you talk about a team that sleptwalked. Ever since they won Bedlam, I mean, they were down 21 to 6 to BYU. Okay, he said, I think he was saying, saying Texas Tech last week versus Texas. But Oklahoma State, I know you love your boy Mike Gundy. I do love That's me why some, I threw it I'm out a there. man. I'm 40. Hmm. That's his animal call. I feel like he's an animal. And we've been going with quacks and barks and meows. I feel like that is the Mike Gundy mating call of the animal kingdom. All right. And so uh, tying this up as we get closer to the break, I think we can tie these together as far as who will have the championship moment and lock up the Heisman. Man, it's been a long, winding road for this Heisman Trophy. But a guy that, as I said, I was down on his team and I was down on him. But after watching him last week and in some of these big games, I got to give credit where it's due. Tip my hat. I think it's going to be Bo Nick. Uh, lead the nation in completion percentage, 78.6%. Lead the nation in passing yards, second in passing touchdowns, total yards per game, and TDR. I think Bo Nix tonight comes out and continues that and establishes himself as establishes himself as the Heisman guy. People are gearing up for it. Bo Nix did an interview yesterday on ESPN. They're talking to him. Hey, are you getting ready? Oh, man, it's going to be great. Hopefully we can get the job done this weekend. And there's Michael Penix. Just sitting right there, having had an incredible resume, undefeated season. 
that's going to be the game where I think the Heisman winner comes from. I don't think it's going to come from Georgia, clearly. Jalen Milrow, despite saying he should win the Heisman after the fourth and 30 conversion, Jalen Milrow's preseason struggles, I actually think that is still in the minds of the Heisman voters. I think you're going to see the winner come from that game. I'm with you on Bo Nix. I think he ends up getting it done. But it's funny how we're just looking over Michael Penix and everybody is gearing up for the Oregon quarterback to end up winning this thing. All right, I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think whoever wins tonight's game emerges as the Heisman Trophy winner. I picked Oregon, so I'd go Bo Nix. But the Heisman Trophy, if, it, if, if it's being given out in its full purpose, should be going to Baton Rouge and Jaden Daniels. I don't disagree at, with that. Yeah, according to front page bets right now, the current Heisman odds, Bo Nix at negative 185, Jaden Daniels at plus 190, Michael Penix Jr. at plus 2,000. So Michael Penix would have to come out, get the win, and be super dominant to beat Jaden Daniels at this point, I think. Well, I, I do think that, as Vegas will reflect, too, it, it usually reflects it. It doesn't mean it's always the case. Vegas is a very, what is the storyline? What have you done for me lately? Even on a week-to-week basis. And I don't disagree at all. I think Jaden Daniel, Daniels, if you gave it to him, more than deserving. But we're going to see this game. It's going to be a monster storyline. We're going to be pointing to that one as a team that vaults their program into the college football playoff. And if Michael Penix or Bo Nix, they go for over 400 yards of offense, however you get it, that's going to be a really impressive performance. And we're just going to get further and further and further away from what Jaden Daniels did this year. And that's just hard to compete with. These games matter. That's why it's really hard when you don't get into the conference championship or the playoff. Lamar Jackson got it done, had a better year the following season, and we had fatigue from somebody that lost already. It's just so hard to do. I I would be totally cool if Daniels gets it. I just think these games matter so much in the minds of the voters. All right, well, when we come back, Panthers, Bucks, top 10. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wesson Walker back on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail at Wes Bryant underscore 72. And if we get to a thousand followers for the show page at Wesson Walker, then yeah, we had the barking contest yesterday. We'll have a meowing contest. <laughs> Can't believe this is what we're doing. Meowing contest at the end of the show if we reach a thousand followers. And when we get very to two thousand, I'll buy a random follower lunch. They got to drop the cash out. Well, you used to say twenty buck maximum. We used to say once we get to a thousand that there was going to be uh, something that we gave to the people. I don't well, know. That's if what I, we're going to give them meowing. Okay. And after that, we get to 2000 and I get somebody lunch. They have to be angry at us. Like, I understand. Like, wait, <laughs> I followed you for nothing? We're going to get people to unfollow us at this point. Uh, yeah, we're at 981 followers. If you don't want to follow us, that's fine, but you don't get to hear meowing. Maybe I'm giving you incentives not to follow us. Maybe that's what's happening. Well, based off the reactions to the dog barking, I think they definitely are here for the meowing. I have to imagine barking is better, though. You know? Barking's got to be better. You don't have a DMX meowing song in the background. You can't find that. You heard how I put that on there, too. Some guy made an instrumental with X barking on it. I said, this is perfect. Yeah, that's why I don't think you're going to be able to find that with him 
you know, giving us any cat sounds or purring in the background. Yeah, I'm even trying to think of any female rappers me out like that. On well, record. you have. I can't think of. Anything. Well, you got Cardi B instead of O'Kerr. It could be O'Purr. I mean, Maybe wouldn't Doja do Cat have a meow at some point? I would think so, but she doesn't do that. I, I think Nicki Minaj does a little bit of one when she does that. Mm, maybe so that like a purr. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's probably the closest you're gonna get. But I can't do what you just did. Yeah, I can't do that. Oh, you can't roll ours? No, I can't. Yeah, and I a actually, lot of people can't do that. I, I took a lot of years of Spanish <laughs> all throughout high school, even in college. I took a lot of Spanish in my life. Never ever could figure out how to roll my R's. Yeah, man, I don't Not know. I've always been able to do it. Just a gift. It's God people, given, like Booby Miles said. Some people can. The Booby Miles of speaking Spanish. I can't do it. <laughs> I wasn't born with it. I tore my ACL as soon as I came out the womb. I couldn't speak like that. That's not funny, Some of us have torn our ACLs. It's a hard recovery. Liar. Sorry, Fitty. That's Flounder in the studio right there doing the the people's work, calling Fitty. I like, actually, I wonder if uh, we could get this approved by Jeff of having Flounder just hang out with us for three hours and then in the background call Fitty on his BS every time he talks a lot. Oh, that'd be great. He'd talk a lot, Dan. I know. That's why it would be legitimate work. Maybe be a part of the show. We'll just ask Jeff if if he can get paid for that three extra hours. I think it's a well worthwhile exercise to see if that would happen. This one also well worthwhile. It's time for a top ten ranking once again, as the Carolina Panthers take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend. You, it feels like you want to say something over there, Fitty. You're just nodding your head. Okay. This one was much easier than the Tennessee Titans, too. By the way. Yes, it was. Oh yeah, there's there's no doubt about. Which one was easier here? I think I got it. Um, as far as how good I feel, like I, I have my list. I feel good about it. We can go from 10 to 1 as we've been doing the last few weeks. Yes, sir. You want me to lead us off? I do. Okay. Xavier Woods has been finding himself in the top 10. I thought about putting Taylor Moten in. I did. But he's not been in there the last month. So I'll give love to Xavier Woods. I could, I didn't want to be disrespectful to somebody that's been having a good year. So Xavier Woods is going to come in at the number 10 spot. It's actually going to be three straight Panthers right off the rip. Xavier Woods at 10. Frankie Louvu at 9. By the way, if you look at what he's been best at this season, that man has been rushing the passer at an extremely high level. Frankie Louvu, he's coming in at number 9. I got Brian Burns at number 8, who actually had a pretty nice pass rushing performance against Tennessee, but... If you look at that Tampa roster, Tampa's got a lot of There's really good players. There's talented players in this game, yeah, no doubt about it. There are. And so three straight Panthers lead us off, at least on Walker Mail's list. Xavier Woods, 10. Frankie Louvu, 9. Brian Burns, number 8. Wes, who you got? Man, you disrespect the quarterbacks. Well, I'm not going to say it because Wait, we're not go- all the way through this. But my number 10 is Baker Mayfield. Oh. How? Uh, he's the 19th rated passer, according to PFF. So he's, but not he's even completing the okay. 65% of his passes. He's got 17 touchdowns to seven interceptions. Uh, I think anybody wearing a Panthers memorabilia, T-shirt, jersey, whatever, would take that at their quarterback position right now. I mean, I, I don't think I'm wrong in that, huh? Oh, no. We, yeah, we... We would I mean, those are bad it. numbers. If the guy wasn't named Baker Mayfield, you would say the guy's playing oh. good football. Oh, we we talked about it in the fishbowl. Like, he hasn't been bad at all this year. Fitty, you, okay, anyway, I'm going to keep going. Because Fitty's back there. I think just the fact that it's Baker Mayfield, if I put a blind resume with those numbers, people would be like, oh, yeah, that guy's playing good football. Anyway, uh, number nine, I got Luke Gadecki uh, on that Tampa Bay offensive line. He's played 715 snaps, four sacks allowed, 12th run block grade in PFF. Uh, and nine penalties, only nine penalties on the season. And then at number eight, I've got Brian Burns. Uh, he's up to third now in pass rush win rate. I always got to slow down and say that, man. Even though For it's sure, not alliteration, that thing just rolls. 
Six sacks, 12 tackles for loss, so the numbers are decent. You want to see, I feel like he could have three to four more sacks, but that's my bottom three. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do a controlled here with Baker. But the Baker-Mayfield combo, you have him 10. You're acting like Baker Mayfield just because of the name. I don't have him as a top 10 player in I this I didn't know game. if you did or not. That's why I didn't want to assume the sale. If he's not if he's not 10, he ain't on the list. <laughs> no, I mean, and that's because it's Baker Mayfield. That, well, yes, but that's because he's, I mean, and he's playing even better. But it's not just because of Baker. Like, this is, I guess this is why it's harder for me. And I really do want to try to figure out this Baker Mayfield ranking for you. Because... If he is, I think, 15th in total passing yards this year, which is, you know, there's 32 NFL teams, there's 32 NFL starters, right? Mm -hmm. So if Baker Mayfield is at the halfway point, almost literally, touchdown passes, he's 14th. Interceptions, you're right, he only has seven, but, you know, he's not. 91 quarterback rating. So, yeah, if you're going, if you're, so you're just going rating, not QBR. If you go QBR, he's 18th in the, in the NFL. If you're going passer rating, Baker Mayfield is, I'm continuing to try to find where he ranks. I'm scrolling. He's 16th. So everything about what he's doing right now, according to all the other starters in the NFL, right, feels pretty average in mm-hmm. every category that's I look in, at. But in this game, the top yeah. 10 players for this game, a guy that's putting up those type of numbers is a top 10 player in this game at the quarterback. It no, doesn't matter where he's at in the NFL. I'm talking about in no, this I hear you. game. No, I hear you. And and with this, in the, I, I hear you within this game. But if, if you're an average QB, like I I just but don't think you're a top no, no, 10 no. player. I mean, I, I get the average stuff, but 17 touchdowns and seven picks and 65%. That Those are those are decent numbers. Those are very I solid numbers. I agree they're very decent. Very solid numbers. That's very solid. If Bryce Young had that, you'd be singing his praises right now. Yeah, as a rookie, not as a five-year vet. You're no, just right. off There's the quarterback player, you be, you would be saying, "Yo, our quarterback play has been pretty good." For a rookie, yeah, like we, there's definitely different context here, right? Like if there's a rookie compared to a five-year vet, I really hope the five-year vet with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and a better offensive line is performing better. Like I really hope. I mean, that. to me, seventeen to seven. That's that's pretty good. It's average that's, compared that's to everybody good. else Touchdown, in the NFL. Interception ratio in my book. No, it's average. Okay. It's average. Let's move on to number seven. Baker Mayfield coming in at number 10 on Wes's list. Adam Thielen is number seven on my list here. I got Chris Godwin, number six. I have Derek Brown, number five. Derek Brown has been playing so well in the last couple of weeks. And yet, you just go to see how much talent that this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team has on their roster. I can't put Derrick Brown any further than top five. The fact that he actually gets to the top five speaks to how well he's been playing. But Adam Thielen coming in at number seven. Last two games haven't been great. Only two yards receiving. They really took him out of the game. And that's what took the offense out of the game even more so. If it's not Thielen, this Panthers offense is not going to be effective throwing the football. Chris Godwin, I think he's a really good receiver. I think he's battled from injuries. He's not Mike Evans. That guy's going to be a Hall of Famer with how many consecutive 1,000-yard seasons that he's able to rattle off. But I still think Chris Godwin, very good. And then Derek Brown comes in there. Those are my uh, those are my first six on the list. Uh, and seventh, I have Chris Godwin. Uh, he's eighth in the NFL in total route wins. 53 receptions, 606 yards. Number six, I've got Derek Brown, who's now up to second in run-stop win rate for interior defensive linemen. He's on pace for 90-plus tackles, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, then at five, 
I'm going to show Adam Thielen his proper respect. 77 catches, 728 yards, fourth in the NFL in total route wins, number 11 in route rate, win rate versus man. So uh, that's my. What was that last at? Route rate. No, win. I, that wasn't even me making fun. That was me. Well, his win rate his? versus man. He's 11th in the NFL. And what was Chris Godwin's? It was 8th, uh, right? 8th, yeah. But Adam Thielen's 77 catches to his 53. And 728 yards to his 606. More production. You got, but if it's, you got a but, problem with that? If we're going with right now that you always emphasize. Man, the Who's guy's playing better on? football between the two of them? Right now? Yes. Chris Godwin. Oh, my God. Come on, Walker. Like... Dog, for real, you're going to take a guy that's got 53 catches to a guy that's got 77. Like, I know you might not like how he goes about his business, but, dog, he's got 24 more catches than the guy. When he goes, dog, come on for real, I know that it's real. Right? <laughs> I know yeah, like, that dang, I struck man. a nerve. But, like, but hold on. I just want to know, when you start to put the emphasis on right now, and my guy's coming off a two-year game. Oh, and I'm game, sorry, but, yeah. I'm just okay, asking. But I'm that happens in the NFL, you, and that's also a product of the offense. He can't throw the ball to himself. What? Who, Thielen? Yeah. Yep. I mean, we're talking about one of the historically bad offenses in NFL history we're witnessing here. No, so. I know. But he's also, I mean, yeah, he's also. Because he's fourth in total route wins. So he's doing his job. Uh, yeah, if we're going right now. And plus, Chris Godwin. Right, that's what we're talking what, about. What, what would Chris Godwin be doing in this offense, too? If Chris Godwin was playing for the Carolina Panthers, he'd be not. the number one target he's as well. Not, but he can't, so he can't. Well, I'm, I'm going to grade who is the better wide receiver, even if we want to go with these last five years. Right. So you want to go if Adam Thielen was playing in the San Francisco Bill Wash offense with Joe Montana and Jerry Rice, what would he be doing? We doing that today? I don't know where Joe Montana came. I don't know where San Francisco came. I mean, came since we're taking guys and putting them in other places and saying what they would be able to do, then let's just, you know, we can play what if. This, wait, this off. But nobody's comparing Joe Montana to Baker or Bryce or Adam Thielen or Chris I know, Godwin. But you I'm, said I'm using you the took two Chris teams Godwin, that we're talking about. What he would be doing in this offense. And I'm saying, okay, well, we're just going to take guys and put them in other offenses. I mean, if Adam Thielen played in a better offense with the way that he's playing this year, who knows what his numbers would look like? I'm sorry, Adam Thielen. I'm not the giving you the proper respect. guy's on pace for over 120 catches. I mean, I would think that deserves a little respect in the NFL, you know, the best football league in the world. Where did you have him ranked fifth? Yes. And I had him seventh. And that led to a <laughs> come on, dog, for real. Because you, you said Chris Godwin is a better player than him this season, and he's not. The numbers don't tell me that. Two spots led to a come on, dog, for real. Number four on my <laughs> list, it's Via, Vita Vea, the defensive tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, coming in at four, one of the top defensive tackles in all of the NFL. Just a run stuffer uh, would be higher on this list if there wasn't so much talent on this roster. I got Antoine Winfield Jr. at number three, having a monster year, really good coming out of college anyway, solid immediately, stepping onto an NFL field. Antoine Winfield Jr., versatile as well, really does doesn't matter what box you look at. He's a at least a good football player in that category. A great one overall. And then I'll end with Tristan Wirfs coming in at second. I think there's so much value in a guy that's able to play both sides of the line and do so at such a high level. You have to switch him over because of some offensive line realignment. Moving on into the post-Tom Brady era. Right tackle, doesn't matter. Left tackle, doesn't matter. Tristan Wirfs is going to be one of the best tackles in all of football. Put him at number two on my list. I've got Tristan Wirfs at four. Uh, he's the number 13 tackle, according to PFF, giving up three sacks, four hits, 10 hurries, only five penalties on the season. 
At number three, I've got Vita Vea. He's number 10, according to PFF. Number seven, run defense grade. But he's got what I like, five and a half sacks for a big man his size at that nose guard. That's really impressive to have five and a half sacks and eight tackles for loss. That's really disruptive, and it shows he's got that quickness and athleticism to get home and get the job done. And at number two, I debated about it. Um, It's my guy, man. Lord knows he's been good to me in fantasy, Mike Evans. Uh, Top 10 in route wins versus man. He's got 54 catches, nine touchdowns, 15 yards a pop. And he's averaging 77 yards a game. All right, so you have Mike Evans number one, or you I said not. Number, number two. I got Mike Evans number one. I think just I, I and this is where we differ on how we rank the top ten players. I go with what you have done the first two years. I think there is some kind of foundation that deserves to be considered, and it changes every now and then. But Mike Evans continuing to ball the way he has, and it just doesn't let up. No matter who his QB is, no matter if he has Tom Brady, Baker Mayfield whoever, Jameis Winston, doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball. He's going to get you 1,000 yards. He's going to be a threat in the red zone, and I do think he's a Hall of Famer. Mike Evans is number one on my list. Uh, Yeah, my number one is uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, Love the year that he's having right now, and he's averaging, or he's only allowed 12 receptions, 104 yards, and a measly 48.3 passer rating on the season. He's a small guy, but he gets the job done, and also uh, you add to those numbers, he's got a couple of TFLs, a couple of sacks on the year as well, some QB hits, so he gets in there and, and does that as well. All right, so and an interception. we got our QB debate in the top 10. I didn't know if we were going to have it for Tampa. I would have guessed no. <laughs> I would have guessed we weren't going to have it, but we got the Saints after that. We have the Falcons. I can't imagine we have a QB debate there. Then the Packers, Jags, Bucks. That's when it could get interesting again. So Buccaneers gives us that QB debate that everybody waits for here on the top 10 <laughs> list. We got a few more minutes before we get to your flash, Viddy, but I do want to get to you, even if you don't have a flash for us right now. What do you think about those lists? Who do you think won the top 10 list, according to Josh Viddy Marlin? Did you have Wes's number one player in your list? Yeah, he did. Oh, did, yeah, I had I had him, yeah. uh, I think, number three, because I had Trist, yeah, so I had Antoine Winfield Jr., number three on my list. My top three were Mike Evans, number one, Yep. Tristan Wirfs, number two, Antoine Winfield Jr., number three, Vita Vea, number four, if you wanted to. Okay, I, I just, I couldn't remember if, if I, I assumed he did, because if he was a number one and he didn't make your list, there would have been an That'd even been crazy, bigger, for sure. come on, dog. That would have been <laughs> a, for real, come on, he was disgusted with that. He got back from the mic. <laughs> Got to a very real place and said, come on, dog, are you for real or something to that nature? For Baker Mayfield, which is why I would go with Walker's list because I don't. Wow, QB. Me and you are really throwing shade to Baker Mayfield. I'm really not, though, because there's not. I mean, how much do you have to shade a 5'9 quarterback to begin with? If he plays like this. Last year in Carolina, he wouldn't be in Tampa. Y'all would be loving the man. Oh, oh, I, because he wouldn't be like, in Tampa. Come on, dog. Like I know how y'all feel about Baker. See, this is why I have the gift to be objective about things I don't like. I and love Baker. I don't like Baker Mayfield. Well, he loves Baker. He used to. No, he yeah, loves but, yeah, Baker. but I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Like if he was playing this way in Carolina, y'all would be loving we, him. No, but, but Wes, you you act like. I'm not – I mean, I read the numbers too, and but I don't feel like you're listening to me because with, with the numbers, we just read them differently. I mm. look at them and think he's playing average, which is a monster upgrade from what he was doing last year. Last year, the guy was missing wide-open receivers five yards in front of him. I know he's not doing that anymore. But Baker Mayfield being average across whatever category you want to look at, I'll go back to my quote that should be up on Eighth the wall. Eighth in the league in touchdown passes. But, okay, 
I mean, that's but that every other category that I look at that West. <laughs> This is also, if you notice, for, ba- for, for listen, Baker Mayfield. No, that's that's good. But if you notice, like every time I'm saying it, Wes is not listening. And I saw him go. He counts. He puts his finger up to make sure he's getting it right at this <laughs> computer screen, and then he counts while I'm talking. And he's not listening to the other categories that he's even below average in. Uh-huh. And then he points the cherry pick touchdown pass, and I get you. Like there's some touchdown passes. And there. then what you want the quarterback to do? I want him to. You want him to throw touchdowns, right? That's his objective. I want him to win. Correct. Yeah, I would like him to. You know. Yeah, but I'd we're like, not talking about. This is not an overall grand scheme, overarching NFL combo. This is Panthers, Bucks. Yeah. Who are the best ten players? Baker Mayfield is certainly playing among the best ten players in this game. Yeah, and I and I understand you keep going with this game. I just like I don't think that an average quarterback is magically a top 10 player. You put a Xavier Rhodes over him. Like Xavier Rhodes is playing. He's well, Xavier, playing good football. Xavier Woods, but yeah, but yeah no. Xavier Woods. No, I'm, I'm putting, yeah, top 15 safety out of like 120 measured, something like that. I'll take that. Probably 120 is too long. I probably exaggerated that. Let's move on. Now to that flash I was talking about. Go ahead, Fiddy, what you got for us? Let's talk about a quarterback that's worth us debating over, and that'd be the quarterback of America's team, Dak Prescott. He led the Cowboys to a shootout win, 41-35 at home last night over Seattle. 299 more passing yards, three more touchdowns. Is it fair to say, with Dallas sitting at 9-3, and three, that Dak Prescott is the NFL MVP after... 12 games. Not only is it fair, it's the right answer. Dak Prescott is the MVP of the NFL right now. He leads the league in touchdown passes. He's third in passing yardage. He's got a record of, I think, nine and three after last night's win. So this is a Dak Prescott that is playing at a crazy, actually historic six, five-week stretch at this point, but also is number one, number three in some of these passing categories. Dak Prescott's the MVP of the NFL. How do you play against Philadelphia and San Francisco? Better than Brock did against Minnesota. Okay, but that didn't answer my question. Better than How did he play in the biggest games he had on his schedule? Did he win them and did he play great in them? He did not. He's not the MVP. You like you is Jalen Hurts? Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on one second. If you just tried to throw shade at me with Baker Mayfield being eight in touchdown passes, and then you said that's what he's supposed to do. I'm talking he, about in and this, I went with the number one touchdown passer I'm in the game. I'm talking about in this game now. When you want to go to an overall NFL debate over MVP. I can't take a guy that lost the two biggest games on his schedule and he didn't play well in them. He played poor he in played, San Francisco. What, poor. Oh, oh, okay, but what about against Philadelphia? He didn't play poor against them. Okay, right, but he still That's lost a, the game. He didn't make the plays when they needed him to, did he? He had three touchdown passes and 370 but yards. did he make the plays when they needed him to? All right, so then who – so this is really He easy. did not. So the real easy thing to do then is to go to the best team in the NFL and just give it to that quarterback. Jalen Hurts is playing. He he has his times where maybe he throws some picks and stuff, but still his touchdown numbers, his pass numbers, everything's there for Jalen Hurts as well. You you cannot pick anybody but Jalen Hurts really right now. I mean, if if the if the objective is to pick the quarterback on the best team in football, you're right. That's dominating. 
But he's, he's you not saw dominated. what he did last week. He, uh, no, he I, went I right down the field what, when it mattered. I saw what Dak did yesterday. Dak Prescott did not do that. Now, he did that against a six and five Seattle team. Like, come on, man. Okay, San Francisco so, dominated them at home. Okay, but, so if, if if Dak beats Hurts next Sunday night, okay, then we can start okay, talking. Okay, so, so the, then the, we can start. So he, talking. so yes, and look, the schedule's going to give Dak a chance because he's got Jalen Hurts. They got to play Miami. They got to play Buffalo down the stretch. But it's hard to look at what he's doing individually, then look at Dallas's record, and and be so dismissive that he's not in the conversation to be the MVP. I said conversation. You said he is the MVP. Well, no, I no, think no, he no, deserves to be in the conversation, but he's not the MVP. No, I am. I mean, even in that, like, you keep going to the big games, man. Like, Jalen Hurts had 200 yards passing against uh-huh. the Cowboys. Uh-huh. He had... 30 yards rushing. He had right. three total touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Dak Prescott, I mean, just all over the place outperformed him in that game. But why doesn't he do it when it matters the most? But no, I'm I'm saying he did against Philadelphia. Like you're if you're he just didn't. going with wins or losses. That last drive he didn't score. Uh-huh. He didn't. No, it, it, he threw the ball short. That's so, what happened. So when when Philadelphia loses a game, then we can it, How many fine. touchdowns does Jalen Hurts have? Can you tell me that? He's got 20 passing touchdowns. And, and how many rushing? 11 rushing. 31 touchdowns. Come on, Doc. That's not even a debate. Well, it, when you bring And the, I hate the Eagles, and I don't like Jalen Hurts, but he's the MVP. But when you bring the interceptions in, it does. All right, okay. let's move on. Let's go on to the next segment of this next hour, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Finishing out the one o'clock hour on Wes and Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Switching gears from the NFL, from the Carolina Panthers to the Charlotte Hornets. They got a big old win last night, 129-128 over the Brooklyn Nets. Cam Johnson had a great look at a game winner. I thought we might see another one here that pertained to the Queen City. After B.J. McLaurin did it for Queens, maybe you can go check out that call on social media. Either way, Cam Johnson missed it, allowing the Hornets to walk away with a win. One of the best shooting performances in NBA history. I mentioned this earlier. Per Stathead, the Hornets became the first team in NBA history to shoot 50% from the field, 50% from three-point range, 100% from the free-throw line. Oh, yeah, that's catch. And that's including a minimum of 20 made threes and 15 made free-throws. So what he did, what Miles Bridges did, what Terry Rozier did specifically, what Nick Smith Jr., everybody was shooting really well. Now, Miles Bridges has been helping this team ever since he came back. We knew that very easily he would be the second best player on this team. LaMelo number one. Maybe you think Brandon Miller's more talented. That's certainly easy to see, but at least that could be an easy argument. Miles Bridges comes in right away and helps you out. Well, there was a Jake Fisher report, Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports, and he said that Miles Bridges is not expected to return to the Charlotte Hornets next year. Now, from what I saw on Twitter, I think Miles Bridges actually responded to one of the aggregators who put that out there as the report and just responded with a question mark. And it's the first tweet or first response that I've seen from him on Twitter in quite some time and just put out a question mark. So maybe Miles doesn't agree with it. But this Miles Bridges situation here, Wes, do you think that he's back with the Charlotte Hornets after hitting unrestricted free agency upcoming uh, this upcoming offseason? 
Um, it would only be by choice because if you look at the numbers, if he keeps playing the way that he's been playing, uh, I think the Hornets probably will acquiesce and bring him back on a deal that he was going to get before because you look at the numbers, he's dead on for the most part, give or take a few of the statistics from where he was. I mean, 20.2 points his last season, 2021-2022. Now he's at 20.3, but shooting 51% from the field and 45% from three on roughly five threes per game. So if he continues playing that kind of basketball, I don't see how the Hornets would not uh, sign him, especially with their difficulty in getting players. You add in uh, almost eight rebounds, almost three assists, a steal, so he's coming back playing really good basketball. There's no question about that. And efficiency. He's only taking 14 shots per contest. So I would think the Hornets would feel like that that's something that they need and something that would be difficult for them to find out on the free agent market with their difficulty in getting marquee players. Uh, the, the reason you might move on from them is just to get rid of a headache that's sure, happened sure. off of the court. But this is Charlotte. You think the Hornets would bring him back regardless? I'm not saying regardless. I'm just saying, but this is Charlotte, though. So, you know, we have to sometimes do some things that other franchises and other cities might not do. So, so, okay, I was about to say, like, (laughs) I guess expound upon that, right? Like, you're saying saying it's a small market, and so you're saying that's why they need to go after them? Like, what do you mean by this is Charlotte? Oh, man, now, okay, from a moralistic perspective, no, I'll I'll say it. I, I don't. But you don't. What well, I'm? I'm sorry. You're saying you don't. You would you, not bring. So him you're back. asking me. You're saying. You're saying this is Charlotte, right? Like yeah, I'm I didn't saying know if you're talking Charlotte. about the small market that you have to go and get these guys, even with the baggage that comes with them. Sure. Or you're saying that this is Charlotte, and there's been a Charlotte lot of people with the that history have got, of our city, and we've had guys, questionable guys gotcha. on teams here that they sign and give big paydays to, and things of that nature, especially out of need. And so I would think that Miles would fall in that category because I don't know that the Hornets would be able to go out. They haven't shown a propensity to go out to sign players that are putting up these type of numbers on a consistent basis in free agency. And so Miles Bridges is putting up some very good numbers. He's close friends with LaMelo. I don't know how much new ownership or a an expected new GM is going to put a, as much stock in that. I don't know how much stock they're going to put into that, but it is something to consider when you have somebody that you've invested $200 million in. He does have an injury history. LaMelo does. Are you going to bring back Miles to put alongside him? And we've seen what this team can do with both of these guys on the floor. You would like more help around him. You're going to get more money when Gordon Hayward leaves, comes off of the books. Maybe you trade him. I know that there was the report also that there are playoff caliber teams that are calling the Charlotte Hornets to inquire about Gordon Hayward. If you trade him, then I would hope that you get some kind of money also coming off of the books. You also get a first-round pick in return. I imagine that would be pretty protected, depending on how desperate that playoff-caliber team was. But if you free that 30 mil, then you'd put that towards Miles if you wanted to. You would put that towards what? I don't don't even know how much of the 30 mil would would go to Miles at this point. He was going to make that much before the domestic violence charge. Does it just go right back up after we have enough time pass? I could see that. Yeah, I think, if, like I said, if he continues to put up these numbers, there's no way that you couldn't because if he gets out on the open market, somebody's going to give him that kind of money. Yeah, I think so. I I, I think that he's going to get quite a bit of money. Well, NTC saying what you want the man to say, LOL. I just didn't know if you're talking about small market because that's what people's reasoning was for signing Gordon Hayward at the mm-hmm. time. Like, okay, they, they went after Gordon Hayward. They overpaid for him more than any other NBA team wanted to do four years ago. 
because it's the small market. We got to pay more to attract free agents to come here. Or is it the we don't care what you do off of the court? We'll bring you in because I didn't know what you meant by this is Charlotte. But either way, I guess it could apply here for the Charlotte Hornets. Um, we can, uh, you know, we'll see about Miles. I, the, the question mark back in return, I don't know what you make of that. If he's just saying that to now, buy himself some time. But, but the thing, though, too, uh, Mr. Hornets podcast, do you think that he'll be back? And do you think that they should? I don't think that he'll be back. I would move on for Miles Bridges at mm-hmm. this point. I actually don't think he's going to be back either because they wanted more money and they fought for more money despite having the domestic violence charge. And nobody else apparently was going to give him an offer sheet to force the Hornets hand to go more than the qualifying offer. So they can't trade him because he has right to first refusal or he has the right to just veto any trade. And so if there is going to be a trade, he's going to have to agree to it. It just feels like things got messy enough for the Hornets to move on. But if he continues to play well, I mean, you might be right. Like, it wasn't me disagreeing with you. I just, yeah, I didn't, just, take, it. I didn't right. take it that way. Like, it's just, it, you might be correct. I don't, I don't know why the Hornets have earned any doubt into, oh, we're not going to bring him back because of everything that happened this past offseason. They're playing him now. They, the situation called for him to come back on a qualifying offer. And maybe they pay him more money. Yeah. And that could happen. We'll see what other NBA teams do as well. It's time now for the last hour of Weston Walker. We're going to play a new game. Oh, I like that. King of the Mountain. Like Saw? I don't want to play that game. <laughs> Doug Branson put out there on Twitter that That's playing for the game. Charlotte Hornets is like playing the games in Saw. It's, is it? Well, the reason <laughs> is because you're going to lose a foot. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. I'd so, love to make up a game. Wow. I don't want to play Saw. I want to play King of the Mountain. We're going to go through the expected head coaching vacancies, and then we'll describe what we think is the most desirable job while we pin each of these franchises against one another, and then we'll see who's at the top of the mountain. We'll try it out. Coming up next, Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.